0: I made sure that every single line within the body was taxed or challenged and every single possible strength human movement was taxed or challenged, either dynamically or isometrically. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources and inspiration to grow your fitness business, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au where you can also find out how to access exclusive discounts on Phylex, the fitness industry convention. In this episode, creator of the Animal Flow and Bodyweight Athlete Training Programs, Mike Fitch,
1: discusses the nine pinnacles for building a perfectly symmetrical body and the importance of self-care
0: and repair with Network's Alicia Smith.
1: Guys, today we're talking to Mike Fitch, founder and president of Global Bodyweight Training and creator of Animal Flow and Bodyweight Athlete. Thanks for joining me.
0: It is truly my pleasure.
1: All right. So for anyone who doesn't know what you do or hasn't heard too much about you yet, give us the background. Who's Mike Fitch? What are you up to?
0: Mike Fitch is uh, just a country boy. Grew up in Kentucky. Uh, I've been been tooling around in the fitness industry since uh, I was like 19 years old. Um, The last five years, I've been promoting and teaching uh, a program called Animal Flow. And then as of recently, a program called Bodyweight Athlete. So I consider myself lucky to be a presenter and to travel around the world teaching people how to reconnect with their bodies.
1: Oh, awesome. And I think for anyone that spends even just five minutes talking to you, it's evident super quickly that you're really, really passionate about what you do. Uh, Why is the work that you do so important to you?
0: You know, when I first got into training, and actually, uh, the reason I got into training is because I had hired a trainer myself. Uh, um, Working out was always something that I did with my father, so that was kind of our bonding experience. And whenever I first moved to L.A. at a very young age, I hired a trainer. And everything that this guy did, from the moment I walked into the gym to the way that he greeted me, to the way that he made me feel like he was enthusiastically and genuinely concerned about what my goals were and educating me... I knew right away that I wanted to do that thing. But the thing for me at that age is even then I knew that I wanted to help people. And as cheesy as that may sound, but I really wanted to help other people. And then now what everything I've been leading up to is to where now I can do that on a much larger scale. So that to me is... Is successful in many ways.
1: Cool. And I guess being able to, you know, having been a trainer yourself and understanding how important it is for trainers to get all the tools they need to then help their clients that, you know, kind of lets you, you've stepped from their place into a place that lets you really, yeah, give them the tools to be awesome in what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the body is so infinitely complex in so many ways. It just becomes more and more clear that there's there's no one size fits all there's no one tool that works for everyone uh, that's why I think if, if whenever I get the chance to talk to younger trainers, I'm always like, look, obsessively gather as many as many informa- as much information about different training styles and modalities as possible because at one point you'll be able to access or use all of those in different ways. So that's like always the message is just never stop learning always continue to be a student and that was something that I was prided myself in kind of coming up through the years is I would just get really obsessive about finding different modalities, different speakers, different philosophies, different thought processes. And, um, that really led to my entire experience of creating different programs that I could share with other people.
1: One of the things that you, that I always, I always remember that you say is, you know, sometimes a teacher, always a student. Mm -hmm. Uh, so how do you decide what you're going to be a student in? Like, how do you decide who else out in the industry you're learning from? What courses you're taking? What books you're reading?
0: You know, it, it, it's funny. I always end up taking a really organic approach that's all kind of centered around awareness. And the reason I say that is anytime that I run into a plateau or something in my own journey, I'm always like, what can I learn from this experience? And who can I find that's already talking about this or that is the expert in this field? And then I just go and I, I learn from that thing. And so it's always one of those things where I don't even know sometimes what the next thing will be, but then just in my own journey, something will pop up and then I'll just kind of chase that rabbit down that hole of figuring out like, all right, there's something here for me to learn. What is it? But then on the other side of that, I don't consider myself a great learner. So I'm one of those people that has to, if there's, if I get like, you know, on a certain subject or a certain topic, I will completely immerse myself in it until I understand it. And that may take a very long time, but I think that I've used that to my advantage to really understand certain programming and then been able to kind of use that same thing of going, okay, if I don't understand this thing, how can I simplify it enough to where I truly understand it? And then that really helps me relate to teaching it to other people.
1: Mm, For sure. And I guess that, you know, that kind of rabbit hole, that journey that you talk about, is evident not only in your approach to learning, but also your approach to the programs that you offer. So, you know, with animal flow and body weight training, you, you know, you're really big about the no ego and just being where you are. And that's totally fine. And don't rush to get to that end result of X particular movement or whatever. And, um, yeah, I think that, you know, that methodology is probably part of what makes both of those programs so successful. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, hundred percent, you know, and I think, I think with Bodyweight Athlete and with the animal flow, the thing that we always can go, you know what, this is is like a premier part of this program, is that it is an applicable program. Mm -hmm. And so I would say I've definitely leaned on my experience of learning how to condense something and simplify something in in order to make it a program to where people can digest it and understand it and apply it. And I think for both programs, that is is one of the main keys of why it's successful and why I think we'll continue to have longevity.
1: For sure. And obviously, you know, you've dedicated a lot of your past sort of five or six plus years to animal flow. What led you from focusing so heavily on that into the bodyweight athlete?
0: The bodyweight athlete. And the funny thing is, you know, as I got into bodyweight training and stopped weight training, uh, I started with different movement modalities. So starting with gymnastics, getting into parkour and free running and eventually into breakdancing. And during that whole process, I wasn't using external load for resistance training. So I started really getting into like calisthenics stuff. Basic calisthenics led to high skill calisthenics. So then I really started focusing on like, you know, handstands, handstand pushups, muscle ups, things like that. So. Whenever I first kind of started putting together the ideas of what would later become Animal Flow and later become the Bodyweight Athlete, I had in my head put together this system, which was the GBT system, which uh, GBT is Global Bodyweight Training, which is the initial website that I designed, and so that system had all these different concepts in it, and also had Animal Flow as the movement component of this different, these different like calisthenics programming. So what I got to do is over. You know, five, six years is I got to really kind of hone that and all the additional information that I was able to learn, figure out how to apply it. So animal flow was a huge, it was kind of a product of my own journey. So is a bodyweight athlete, but the bodyweight athlete, the thing that makes it so unique is it literally is an accumulation of 16 years of my life as a personal trainer. And so it's everything that spans from you know progressive overload to the regenerative restorative side. So the thing in the bodyweight athlete is we put just as much emphasis on your train days as we do your regeneration days. So then like in your regen days you have self myofascial release, you have mobility sequences, you have activation sequences which is like our core sequence. But I'm a, I'm just a firm believer that you can only train as hard as you can recover and so this program really reflects that. So it's not just about the movement component it's about the progressive skills building component, but then also the restorative component.
1: Yeah. I think that's really important because, you know, for, and I know bodyweight athlete is for everyone, whether Mm -hmm. you're a fitness professional or not, but you know, our audience are primarily going to be trainers listening to this podcast. And I think as a trainer myself, we don't spend nearly enough time putting back into ourselves what we take out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that's you know, as I'm, I'm sort of a couple of weeks into bodyweight athlete myself, that's something that really resonated with me was it just reinforced and reminded me how much I take out and was not putting enough in yeah. and being forced to do that. I think, you know, I probably speak for a lot of trainers out there that that was a really important component of it. Does that represent or replicate your own training philosophy for yourself? Or was uh, that something you kind of looked at and, and put together just based on your decisions on programming?
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I really started getting into the restorative part of training and just realizing that, you only have so much to give and that's energetically and that's, you know, the amount of attention that you're putting out to both your body, but also your clients and your business and all of those things. And if you don't restore and refill those buckets, then you end up being completely exhausted at the end of the day. But then also your progress is going to be halted or slowed because you can't recover and you're definitely not going to progress if you cannot recover. And by building it into the program like that, it allowed people to give themselves a pass and give themselves some space to actually give energy back to replenishing energy. And so from the very beginning, that was my intention of allowing trainers, uh, fitness enthusiasts, anyone that joins the program to know that, yeah, give yourself space to recover, but also it's necessary, especially when you're dealing with this progressive stuff where the neural load of it is so high. You can't, I mean, you you literally can't do back-to-back training sessions if you expect that you're going to progress. So we wanted to build it right in the program and just say right from the beginning, you're gonna have a train day, a regen day, a train day, a regen day, and then a day completely off.
1: Yeah, that's like a crazy concept to me having a whole day off. That
0: was like (laughs) such a
1: crazy concept having to get used to that. I was like, what do you wait, what do you mean? Turn the paper over. Where's the
0: (laughs) off Right, Off. right, what? exactly.
1: Off. Huh? <laughs> um, so how did you choose the nine pinnacles? Like maybe could you explain what the nine pinnacles are and how you chose? Yeah, like, yeah.
0: so uh, the nine pinnacles, we have five dynamic pinnacles and four static pinnacles. And your five dynamic pinnacles, you have uh, freestanding handstand push-up, you have muscle-up, you have single-arm push-up, then you have single-arm, single-leg body row, and then you have pistol squat. In your statics, you have handstand, you have uh, L-sit, you have back lever, and you have human flag. And the way that I chose the pinnacles, it's you know, it's, it's great because I don't really get to talk about this uh, that much in the program because it's pretty dense, the reason that I chose each one of these. But if you look at the like muscle synergy lines or if people are, are used to anatomy trains, if you look at um, the fascial lines... And then if you look at normal human strength patterns, then you're looking at like a horizontal push a horizontal pull, vertical push, vertical pull, and then squat or hinge. And then with the the lines, uh, the muscle synergy lines, the way that I decided which exercises to use is I made sure that every single line within the body was taxed or challenged and every single possible strength human movement was taxed or challenged either dynamically or isometrically. So if you look at all nine of those pinnacles and put them together, they make a perfect synergy of every single muscle in your body being loaded and used and taxed isometrically or dynamically in every single angle. So like the, those nine pinnacles together are magical. And the great thing about it is, yeah, every pinnacle dimension, that that's the highest part of it. But even just training the much lower progressions, you still get the same response. You're still building a perfectly symmetrical body out of necessity. So, like, your entire system just has to work together. And then the 10th pinnacle is integrated movement. So, if anyone here that heard that, they may have thought, well, what about rotation? That's where the integrated movement part comes into. So, you want to be able to have strength, you want to be able to have isometric strength, but then you also want to have, be able to have fluidity. And so the 10th pinnacle is integrated movement, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. We teach it as animal flow. And then also some of like Doc Perry's stuff, but, um, it really can be anything. It could be dance. It could be, you know, anything.
1: And you can obviously, you've mastered all of those nine pinnacles. So where do you personally go from there?
0: Uh, I just continue to practice those pinnacles. And that's the thing, you know, one of my biggest things I always say is we never own an exercise. We're always practicing an exercise, right? So I feel like I can always get deeper into those pinnacles. And yeah, I could either increase tempo so I could slow down even more or I continue to try to increase reps. But for the most part, it's about just continuing to get to know those pinnacles better. And like I mentioned before, that's how I learn. Like I have to just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper and and that kind of goes against what most people are trying to do which is get that instant gratification and just be like oh i've got that check you know tick it off take the box off but we can just get deeper you know and so that's where i'm at in my own practice is just continuously practicing those pinnacles and learning more about them that way i can be i can be an even much more effective coach as i'm teaching other people how to get through them
1: cool you have a pretty crazy life like you're traveling all over the place speaking all over the world and, you know, I think a lot of people probably would look at the life you lead and think that it's really glamorous and they would like to emulate that. Mm -hmm. What would be the biggest challenge of the lifestyle that you live and the work that you do?
0: You know, there's a couple things. I love love it because it always is a little over-romanticized. You know, like the whole like, wow, you travel the world and you get to do... And yes, and I'm not downplaying that because it's amazing to be able to travel the world. The thing that I had to do is I had to learn how to do it successfully and not just survive while on the road, but still continue to thrive. So a couple of things that I learned very quickly were... That's when it was even more important to make sure that I was regenerating. And so for sometimes when I was traveling a lot and teaching a lot, I wouldn't train and not because I didn't have time to train, but because I knew that out of all the other stimulus and all the other energy outputs that I was going through, I had to bring energy back in. And that was the only way I was going to stay well and healthy and all those things. So it was picking and choosing how, where all the energy goes, you know? So that was one thing. The other thing was, cushioning time so if I was going to go to a new country or a new place I would always cushion either in time in before or time after the workshops or uh, appearances that way I would have some time to see the place because it's very easy to get in this cycle to where you're just traveling the world and you're not seeing any of the world you're literally going from hotel to hotel so pack or excuse me so so cushioning in some extra days to to see the world were a big thing But I guess the thing that I always like to say the most, which you don't hear a lot of people say, is this is really hard work. And if this is something that any trainer wants to get into as far as like if they're promoting their own system or they end up getting on the speaker circuit, is you have to know that it's it's 24-7. Like it never stops. It's never – you never get a day off, truly. You know, you're always working. But at the same time, if you love it, you're never working. But, you know, I think that people don't understand that is that it's all encompassing. You know, there's there's no downtime. There's no time to where you can just shut off because you're always you should be always thinking of how you can keep progressing forward and keep pushing yourself forward. So it's uh, I think if if I could give any advice to anyone, if you're looking to get into something that you want to share with the world, it has to be something that you are so 100 percent in love with. Because if you're not, then the hours that you're going to have to spend into it aren't going to be worth it and you're not going to make it. So you have to find the thing that you love more than anything else and then just get ready for the long hours.
1: Yeah, for sure. You have a phenomenal business partner as well that you work with. How do you guys decide the division of work like responsibilities?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the great thing that that Karen and I uh, learned from the very beginning is she's really good at the things that I'm really bad at. And so we figured out really early on and that's why I brought her on early because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more into the, the fitness side and the creative side and the admin logistics side. I'm super crap at. So it was really nice to have someone to where I could trust to go. All right. So you've got that covered. You you being you allows me to meet me to be me. And that was just clutch from the very beginning. So. As a creative person, you can't do everything like you just can't because eventually you're going to find that you're spending a tremendous amount of time on stuff that you're not good at. And that's killing any time that you could be spending that doing things that you are good at. So I think for anybody, you need to find a Karen. You need to find someone that that is kind of your 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 yin and yang, you know, your balance. So then that way uh, it allows you to free some time up to do the things that you want to do. Like it's a must.
1: For sure. What about biggest misconceptions about animal flow or body weight athlete or both? What do you, what do you kind of come across? What do people say that you're like, dude, that's nothing like what I'm, mm-hmm. what I'm offering.
0: You know, we get a lot of comparisons to like, uh, like Capoea, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we get, uh, comparisons to other kind of like movement disciplines like zoo, you know, like if you're in Australia or, you know, some other systems that are more like martial arts yoga based. And For me, I'm always like, well, if you've experienced those things, come and experience animal flow and you realize that it's completely different. And the reason it's different is because our attention to detail and what we're trying to get out of each movement is 100% about the carryover to optimizing human body. And so I always say, you know, look, in animal flow, we mimic animals, but it's to improve the function of the human animal. And the animal component is truly only one component of the entire program. Uh, and the animal component itself, and, and I always think this is kind of funny, instead of it being like, oh, we're, we're just trying to mimic animals or we're trying to you know take on this animal form. No, basically, it's about giving someone a framework or an excuse to move their body in all directions, at all joints, through multiple planes of motion. And so instead of just saying, OK, every day when you wake up, you need to do that just by saying act like an ape, act like a beast, act like a crab now they're doing that they're getting these multi-joint multi-planar movements and they're figuring out how to move their body in all directions but each movement is so meticulous in improving the function of the human animal so that animal component and i'm always the first to say look i didn't create animal movements they've been around forever all i did was take my knowledge on how the body moves and works and figure out how we could tweak those animal locomotive patterns to get the most for the human body but then the other part is the flow component and the flow component is about transfer of energy and it's about fluidity. And so it's, it's it's about how your body communicates with itself through the floor. And if we can teach you to be a better communicator internally while in quadruped, then we can probably make you a better communicator internally as an upright bipede. So it's it's all about that. It's all about making you a better mover. The comparisons, uh, if you're just looking at it, could it look like pieces look like yoga? Yes. You know, could pieces look like capoeira? Yes. But our the differences is, is that we have very different goals and very different application of the movements. And so I, I always say to anyone that's, that just looks at it and goes, oh, that's a this or that's that. Or I would say try it first and you realize that it's very unique and stands alone.
1: I think there's something almost inexplicable about it as well. I was lucky enough to join you and the global master instructor team in Bali last year and I just remember one particular session where we had been doing like this kind of group call-out and it went for about 20 minutes mm-hmm. and at the end there was just this absolute sense of elation that you don't get from I don't know. I've never felt that in any other kind of group fitness class or any other training session I've done. There was just something inexplicable. There was like this energy that emanated out of everyone. Mm-hmm. And everyone that gets to the flow component of animal flow has some level of experience of that. What is it? Why do you think that happens?
0: Man, you know, there's, that's such a complex answer because I think that they Especially when you're, you know, like, look, when we were in Bali, that was a magical experience in so many ways. But I think there is this kind of connected global consciousness that is stimulated by moving together. And I think the greatest thing about animal flow is that you have all these different sensory responses, you know, so one, you have someone calling out. So you have the auditory part about your moving due to their call out. So they're verbally just saying a cue and your body moves because of that. And then whenever your body moves because of that, and you're with a couple of other people and you are sharing in that movement, you've created a connection on a different level. And then You can, again, just get deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And you can almost make this active meditation to where you're connected with your body. You're connected with your body through all the receptors that are touching the ground. But then you're also connected with these other people. They're all doing the same thing. And I feel like there it's rare for that type of experience for people to reach that many levels of connection all being part of the same movement, you know. And so... I would love to continue to find out more about why that happens scientifically. And we've got some really great research teams that are, that are bringing back some very cool ideas. But for right now, it's just like, man, I mean, just experiencing that is incredible. And I think that's why people get so addicted to the program. And that's why, as you know, we always try to push the community aspect. Because once you're part of that like inner circle, that like secret team of, of animal flowists, you know that when you meet someone else who's really into it, there's something that you share. There's something that resonates with both of you on a very deep level. And so I always love that concept of wherever you go in the world, if you have another Animal Flow instructor nearby, you have a family member nearby. And you can get together with them and you can flow together. And the language barrier is not an issue, but you can get together and share movement. And it's an intimate experience on many levels.
1: Yeah, so true. Like just the the friendships that I have with people on the other side of the world because of animal flow. And I've only actually spent a day or two in life in real life with them, you know, and now they're people that I would consider friends and that's a really cool aspect of animal flow that I just didn't know. I just did not expect that that would happen. So, yeah.
0: yeah, And it's, you know, and that was one of my initial goals. Like that was it. Like I wanted to create a global community and I had no idea in my wildest dreams that it would come in the shape in the way that it has. And so to see our community grow and to see people who are traveling different areas of the world meet up with another instructor, it's just like every time I see that, I just like I beam. It's like the best thing.
1: Yeah. So what's next for GBT?
0: Well, we have, you know, the Bodyweight Athlete is just picking up steam. We launched, I mean, just barely over a month ago. And it itself is creating its own community, which is super cool. But I think the greatest thing is that we're seeing so many of our Animal Flow family members start with the Bodyweight Athlete. And the two programs just work so well together, and there's a lot of crossover, and they point back at each other. And I think right now it was designed to be two separate entities, but I think eventually we'll just see that like once you someone gets into one, they automatically want to get into the other. So I think for right now, you know, I, I always have new programs rattling around in my brain somewhere, uh, but I think for now we're just going to put a lot of focus on supporting the bodyweight athlete you know and that's my main thing is like continuously adding value to that program so over the next year i'll just keep doing additional tips videos and adding more content that way people feel like they're still you know have a support team that's working with them because these pinnacles like getting through the pinnacles could take years you know and so we have to change that conversation of, okay, this is not about reaching this thing this year or even this month. you know this is about like maybe in the next five years you'll be able to hit some of these very top pinnacles. Uh, even within the first year, of course, you'll be able to hit a couple of them as well. So that's it, just continuously supporting our teams and giving love and energy back.
1: Cool, They're such amazing programs. I love them, as you know, and I can't recommend to anyone that's listening to this to you know get involved. I can't recommend it highly enough. Animalflow.com.au if you're in Australia. Uh, Mike, where else can people find out about uh, bodyweight athlete, global bodyweight training, um, and what you're doing? Yep, yeah,
0: so they can go to bodyweightathlete.com mm-hmm. and that'll take them right to the information page about that program, uh, which is also kind of a page on the globalbodyweighttraining.com website. So it's usually just easier to tell people bodyweight athlete, less words. <laughs> um, but yeah, so bodyweightathlete.com or animalflow.com.au.
1: Cool. And then if they want to follow you on Instagram,
0: MikeGBT.
1: Cool. Easy as that. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate your insight and look forward to seeing GBT continue to go to greater and greater heights.
0: Thanks for having me. For more articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au.